Hello everyone, Tom Kislingbury here. I host the Read and React podcast along with Sticky Z. We talk about all aspects of leagues that use individual defensive players, including player value, projecting performance, training camp battles, scouting, and lots of statistics. IDP can be off-putting to those of you who haven't done it before, but it's really not that difficult. After all, even an Englishman can manage it, so you should be fine. So if you already play IDP, you're looking for a new fancy challenge, or if you just love football, come and give us a try. Cheers! listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to the Week 5 edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, with me again this week, Matt and Ryan. Ryan, let's start with you. How'd Week 5 treat you to this point? Uh, not not too bad. A few, uh, a, a few players uh, that struggled really hurt me, namely Mike Evans. Wow. No, no catches for Mike Evans. Uh, I know I know Matt is a fan and a, a uh, fellow owner of Mike Evans in, in a few spots, so that stung a little bit. Yeah, stung lots of us. I've, I've never really been an Evans guy because of the up-and-down uh, trajectory of his career from week to week. He can carry you, as we've seen a couple weeks ago, and, and he can certainly destroy you as well. Perhaps he'll be a player we talk about in our transaction theme again this week. Matt, how about you? Anything? Any takeaways from week five? You guys, Christian McCaffrey is really, really good. Hmm, Just in case you news. didn't know, he's if you didn't know, he's he's pretty good. <laughs> Impressive to say the least. He he looked like a man among boys in. In week five, uh, weekly reminder that we are recording on Sunday night once again this week. So no talk of Sunday night football and no talk of Monday night football. We will start with Thursday night football. However, the Seahawks outlasted the Rams 30-29 to on Thursday night. Matt, your thoughts from this game? Yeah, I was really excited to see this offense kind of change a bit for the Rams. You know, we've seen four weeks now of oh, five, fifth, fifth on Thursday, but four weeks of them not really adjusting to the NFL, adjusting to their offense and kind of just kind of being this kind of going about their business. And then week five, we finally saw them get those two tight ends involved, both Gerald Everett, who's going to be the story of, of that game, of course, seven catches on 11 targets for 136 yards. And there was more there, too. There was a couple of uh, uh, drops there. He probably could have had more. He probably could have had a touchdown, too. Um, he's obviously not going to be able to be bought. So I went with the other guy, Higby, because I don't think Everett's going to dominate the, the target share every single week like this. I know that Higby is more of the in-line guy, um, but – uh, I think that it's going to come around to him as well. He he had three three catches on three targets for 47 yards, so he was also involved. And that was a bit of a high-scoring game back and forth, so um, those might not always be there, but I just don't think Everett's going to dominate 11-3 to target-wise every game. So you can't get Everett. You can still go get Higby sometimes on your waiver wire, I, I saw in a couple of my leagues. So uh, go get that guy instead of the expensive one. Yeah, I think both players are are appealing for different reasons but to me I've flip-flopped over the first five weeks of the season Matt and I was team Higby and, and a fan of Tyler Higby and his game and thought that 
he was going to be the guy that kind of the cream rises to the top. I thought he was more talented, more uh, he could he could get down the seam and, and be a playmaker in that offense. But Everett has showed that he can be that, that guy as well, and maybe even a better athlete than I gave him credit for. So while I agree that adding Higby, you want as many pieces of that, that potent offense in Los Angeles, uh, it seems to me that Everett has grabbed a – 60-40, maybe even a 70-30 uh, split um, should take a closer look at, at snap counts and, and routes run and things like that to really get a good grasp of that. Let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars and Carolina Panthers. Uh, good game on Sunday. Carolina uh, beat the Jaguars by a touchdown, 34-27. One, another guy I've really changed my mind on over the last year and a half, and I I want to get your thoughts on this as well, Ryan, because you and I were in the same boat, really. DJ Chark wasn't a guy we were interested in a year and a half ago during draft season. Um, Of course, that combine when he posted those huge numbers and then landed in Jacksonville with a shady quarterback situation and offense in general. It's time to start believing, if you ask me, though. 27 catches, 485 yards, and five touchdowns in five games. He's had two really big games, including week one, where he went over 140 yards, and then again in week five, where he went over 140 yards and had the two touchdowns. Uh, Eight catches, 164, and two touchdowns on 11 targets in week five against the Carolina Panthers. I'm calling DJ Chark a bye. I know it's I'm a little late to the game, guys, on this because he's breaking out. Uh, he's the number one receiver in Jacksonville. Him and Minshew seem to have a connection there. I don't know if that'll necessarily translate over if and when they go back to Nick Foles once he's healthy. Some recent trades involving Chark. Uh, Chark for Alexander Madison and a second. I doubt that package gets Chark after the big performance in Week 5. Chark for a trio of second-round picks. Um, If I can get him in any way for a couple of second-rounders or a late first, I'm going to do that now. I just don't know if that's enough, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, Nick Foles is not getting this job back. Let's let's start with that. So I think we can be confident in that relationship that Chark and and Gardner Minshew have. You're you're totally right. I I mean, you can see it on the field that there's that – chemistry building between those two and yeah I was I was not a fan of of Chark uh, when he came out as a rookie last year and um, just not really the type of prospect I typically uh, will target in in my leagues and then when he landed with the Jaguars that to me that made it even more of a of a red flag situation one I wanted to avoid of course at that point we're talking about Blake Bortles at quarterback and uh, a handful of wide receiver two types that and and Chark just got lost kind of like I thought he would what I didn't think would happen and, and not very many did is what we're seeing uh, through the first month plus of the season and you can blow one game off as as a fluke or uh, just you know just one game performance but to basically happen five games in a row it's clearly and obviously he's the wide receiver one there and he needs to be moved way up our rankings. Probably wherever you have him now is is probably not high enough in your rankings or, or just in your uh, in the way you value these players. 
Um, so I, I totally agree. I would be buying. I also agree that Dan, you and I, and, and many others are probably late to the party, but I think overall, everybody's late to the party. Last year was such a bad rookie year for him. I, I don't think most people were not, um, totally buying into him even after a week or two. So maybe you can still get him for that first round pick. Man, he has had such a transformation from year one to year two. Like you guys said, I was not into him either coming out. Very straight-line guy, kind of seemed very rigid, not the most polished route runner. But his body control on the sidelines and in the end zone and his ability to kind of rotate in the air is – I don't want to say it's like DeAndre Hopkins, but it's, 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 it might be like DeAndre Hopkins a little bit, honestly. Um, so I agree with you guys. I, I don't know if I can buy – I, if you can buy him for a late first, sure, but I don't know if you can, and I'm not going to pay. I'm not, he's not in the two first range for me, certainly at this point. Um, I, I don't have him anywhere. I wish I had. I had had a few copies, but uh, if, if I guess if you can buy for a late first, Dan, please do and let me know so that I can go do that too. But I just I kind of don't see it. Well, we're going to find out over the next week. I'm guessing he's going to be a topic that dynasty owners are going to be talking about. Maybe we'll see some more of those deals happen on the trade finder because. Uh, it, it just seems like, like Ryan said, he's taken over that number one role uh, in the last, well, really just a few more stats concerning him. Uh, his worst game was at Denver in week four. He's caught four balls for 44 yards, but eight targets in that game. He has target numbers of nine, eight, and 11 in three out of the last four weeks. He scored in four out of the five games that he's played, including that two touchdown performance in week five. He's been impressive. I I like what you added there, Matt, Uh, his body control, and he catches, he seems to catch everything thrown his way out away from his body makes, makes plays uh, above the rim. As they say, I, I wish I would have got on board earlier, you know, looking at the trade finder and seeing see him, him getting swapped for players that were drafted in the third round or worth about third round value. Um, man, we all should have got in on that because DJ Shark is a is a playmaker. The only other thing I'd add there is I... I'm not, I guess I guess he probably shouldn't get his job back, but I, I guess I'm not as convinced that Nick Foles won't get his job back. He's, they're, they're spending so much money on him next year. They can't release him. It'll be a dead cap hit of $33 million next year if they were to release him. So they can't really get out until 2021, and that just seems like a really expensive backup. Uh, but I guess if they keep winning, it's, it's possible. I'm just not 100% convinced yet. And I, I, I would still entertain offers for Minshew, and especially in Superflex leagues, if, uh, if, if somebody wanted to try to buy him. Yeah, I mean, with Minshew, though, it's not just that he's winning games. I mean, he has he has taken over that city, and, uh, it, you know, it's it's Minshew mania, and you see the, you know, you see the guys kind of dressing like him and, and wearing the, the headbands, and, all, I mean, he's, he's like already icon status in that city. So, I, I mean, I, I just imagine if they tried to bench him, there would be a riot. It reminds me a little bit, Ryan, of when Dak Prescott took over for the Cowboys and how he was playing well and the fan base got on board. And that was with Tony Romo, who was a legend in his own right. Uh, Nick Folds doesn't have any of that backing. He's played a corner for the Jaguars. So I'm starting to get on board, too. I'm still entertaining offers as well. Um, I still think there's a chance he's playing over his head that teams are going to catch up to what Gardner Minshew is doing. 
but I guess time will tell with that. Let's move on to Tampa Bay and the New Orleans Saints. The Saints ended up winning by seven, but handled the game, especially towards the end of the game. Ryan, you had this one. Who are we going to talk about here? Yeah, we finally saw a decent game from Jared Cook, and uh, I'm going to try to use that decent game to sell Jared Cook. I told you guys uh, the last time I was on a couple weeks ago to sell Greg Olson in the same spot, and it's really, for me, a similar situation. Uh, Jared Cook's 32 years old. Today is, uh, or or this week, it was the first time we've seen him have a decent game, four catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, That's probably going to put him or certainly will put him in that tight end one range for the week coming into this week his his weekly finishes this year tight end 23 25 uh, 47 somehow and 30 so this is this is really the first chance you might have had to even sniff decent value for Jared Cook and I, I think there's so many teams so many fantasy teams in leagues that are hurting at tight end right now because we go into the season relying on O.J. Howard, David Njoku, Hunter Henry, and and maybe even a guy like Dallas Goddard. And because of injury or, or just disappointing play, we're getting nothing from those four relatively young tight ends right now. And if I can add something to Jared Cook to get one of those guys, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that move. Yeah, I like that move. Uh, No hesitation with Drew Brees starting to throw footballs down there in New Orleans and and the news that he might be closer to returning than than maybe maybe what we anticipated when the injury happened. No, not for me. I mean, I know we didn't see a ton of Brees this year before he suffered that injury, but uh, he already wasn't looking Cook's way in in that short time. And even on his best day, Cook is going to be the third target in that offense. Yeah, and uh, Oakland Raiders on by next week, so Darren Waller owners, maybe they don't have a tight end. Go, go, go talk to those guys. There you go. Another good, good option. Good point. Uh, Houston Texans, they throttled the Falcons 53-32. to 32. Matt, who do we got here? This is another one of those, hey, the buy window is open. It doesn't mean you're probably going to get a discount. But DeAndre Hopkins, buy window, I think, is open with three straight weeks of under 100 yards. Today he uh, had half the targets and and, and, uh, maybe a third of the production of Will Fuller. So uh, I don't think he's going to be in in too many dynasty owners, at least the forefront of their minds. So that window is probably open right now. It's still going to cost you two-plus first-round picks. I'm still happy to pay that. Uh, Some recent trades for DeAndre Hopkins – uh, he went for uh, a t- two firsts and a third, uh, a first and a third for for Hopkins and AJ Green. Hopkins for Juju and a third. So uh, these are all all, all, all kind of tr- offers that I wouldn't mind going ahead and going buy DeAndre Hopkins right now because I think it is going to come back his way. The schedule is really lightening up. This offense has clearly bounced back after two weeks in a row, um, and, and you know the defensive coverage is going to work around. They're not going to be able to just leave Will Fuller open like that anymore. Um, and Kiki Cutie's back. He looked good today. So I just think this entire passing offense is looking up, and, and when that happens, I think Nuke eventually is going to rise to the top of that pecking order again. Yeah, I always like the idea of buying those those stud players at a, at a discount. And it's actually now four weeks in a row, Matt, with under 100 yards. So I do think there is a, a bit of a chance to buy him. Obviously still going to be very expensive, as you mentioned. Is is he still your wide receiver one in Dynasty? Not mine personally. I've had Adams there for a couple of months now. So I, but I know there's probably a little bit of, of green and gold glasses on there. But I think Adams is is my one still. 
But he's he's right there. He's my two, I think. I'd still call Hopkins my one. He's if I could choose a wide receiver, that'd be the guy I I would want. Um, and I've been a big Hopkins supporter for a long time. I don't think four weeks of like average football out of a wide receiver or average production for your wide receiver one or, or even below average, if you call it that, is going to make me turn off of that. I still think he has double-digit touchdowns at the end of the year and, and, and flirts with the same kind of reception numbers that we've been used to over the last few seasons. Let's move on to the Cardinals and the Bengals. Arizona got their first win of the season, last second field goal, 26-23 to 23 in Cincinnati to get the win. I want to talk about Keyshawn Johnson, Ryan, and, and we spoke about him a little bit throughout the preseason uh, and really in the months leading up to the, the beginning of the regular season. Johnson, now that Christian Kirk is out, uh, with the injury, it seems clear after watching that game that Keyshawn Johnson is the next guy in line in that offense to get playing time and to get targets. Three, Just three catches for 22 yards uh, on seven targets on Sunday against the Bengals. But he was second on the team in targets to Larry Fitzgerald, who had eight. Um, Kyler Murray missed him with a couple of throws. I think one would have been wiped out by penalty anyway. He was open, though, and really looks good. Um He's a quick guy that that mans the middle of the field and seems like sneaky fast and and can find those openings and those seams, um, particularly against zone defense. I really liked what he did on Sunday despite that low uh, box score numbers that he posted, the 3-for-22. I think a breakout could be coming as soon as next week against the Falcons. That is as long as Christian Kirk is out. So we might have a buying window. I'm going to call him... Uh, by next week, the Falcons, they have struggled against uh, wide receivers. We all know what uh, what the Houston's receiving core did on Sunday. So I'll call Keyshawn Johnson my buy. I really like Keyshawn Johnson. And, and Dan, as you mentioned, really I have all throughout the offseason and preseason. And we're five weeks in here to to the season and, and to this new format of the DLF dynasty pod and it's getting a it's becoming a little bit of a challenge because some of these players and Keyshawn Johnson is definitely one of them I'm going to basically consider him a buy uh, throughout the season I think because um, he's he's in a great situation and his price is uh, staying staying very reasonable and and maybe even low you could say so we could talk about Keyshawn Johnson and, and a few of these other guys Every week, we'll we'll try to mix it up, but definitely go out and make some offers for Keyshawn. Yeah, I like that. I, I have a question for you guys though. Where is Andy Isabella, and why is he playing running back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Isabella thing is is weird, and I think after the Kirk injury and Demir Bird was was also banged up, it seemed like early in the week everybody everybody thought it was Andy Isabella week, and then the depth chart comes out, and he's what I think he was fifth overall and behind uh, Sherfield and, and some of these other guys that we, we were a little surprised to see. So I'm not sure what's going on with Isabella, but I would definitely be buying him too. And there's probably even more of a discount on him. It makes you kind of wonder if, if it's something with the coaching or, or if he's, he's not picking up the playbook quite like that coaching staff really wants him to. He seems like a way more talented player than the guy, you know, you see Sherfield out there and, and these other guys in your scratching your head as to why we're not seeing Isabella. I think we'll find out more down the road, but there's something behind the scenes that's keeping Andy Isabella 
off the field. The Chicago Bears, Ryan, they were upset by the Oakland Raiders across the pond. Who we want to talk about there? Yeah, I want to talk about another one of these these rookies that we could probably peg as a as a buy. Uh, every week, or or maybe even an ad, depending on your league. But I want to look at Foster Moreau, the tight end for the Raiders. Uh, of course, we we already talked about Jared Cook. He had that breakout season at age 31 with the Raiders last year, and was able to cash in on that. Now we're seeing the same thing from Darren Waller, who is a tight end one on the season, uh, even with a, a a bit of a down game this week. But uh, Waller is is set to be a free agent at the end of the. Uh, at the end of the season, and, and we've seen the Raiders' kind of recent history under John Gruden is they're not uh, willing to pay contracts to these big-name free agents. They've traded them away or they've let them walk in free agency over the past couple of years, and I'm starting to wonder if they could do the same thing with with Waller, especially if he continues to have such a huge year. So uh, Foster Moreau, I think, is a guy that's definitely worth an ad, or uh, if you do have to trade for him, maybe if you can – uh, flip a third rounder for him. That's something I would at least consider. And he's actually producing the past couple weeks as well. Uh, it's it's tough to start a backup tight end, but Moreau over the past two weeks is the tight end 13 in PPR scoring. Yeah, a savvy add, no doubt, Ryan. Uh, in in deep deeper formats, he's a guy that should be on rosters for sure. Matt, the Jets got blasted by the Eagles, thirty-one to six on Sunday. Is there somebody in New York that you're willing to buy? <laughs> there is sort of, and this is contingent on on you know Sam Darnold not not wanting to not die out on the football field, right? Uh, he, so hopefully he'll be back in week six. Chris Herndon will also be back in week six. Uh, I want to buy Jamison Crowder, though. And in all the recent trades on the Trade Finder, he's basically a throw-in. So if you go and target somebody else you want to trade and the team has has Jamison Crowder on it, see if you can get him as a throw-in. But in week one, he had 14 catches on 17 targets, only 99 yards. But clearly part of the game plan when Darnold was was there and, and throwing the ball uh, and not so much with Luke Falk and, and Trevor Simeon for the short time we saw him. So uh, with, with those guys coming back in Herndon and in, in Darnold, Hopefully in week six, I think Jamison Crowder is going to be a nice uh, player for the second half of the, of the, of the season. They've had basically the, the toughest schedule in the entire NFL the first half of the season. And then the second half, they have one of the easiest. Uh, they do have – it's still the first half of the season, right? So they got the Cowboys and Patriots coming up, so that's tough. But then after that, Jaguars, Dolphins, Giants, Washington, the Raiders, the Bengals, the Dolphins again. And that's the first week of the playoffs, of the, of the fantasy playoffs for us. So uh, the schedule is going to open up, and uh, Jamison, I think, could be uh, – you know. Uh, a volume kind of play as your wide receiver three going forward. And for just a throw in, I think that he's a, he's a worthy buy as long as Darnold's going to get back. I guess I can get on board with that, Matt. I, I was surprised when I looked at our agenda and saw Matt Price is buying a New York jet. Uh, seems like a risky proposition to me, Matt. You make some good points though, for sure. Guys, the, the Vikings beat up on the Giants on Sunday. I had this game. And I chose Adam Thielen as the player to talk about. Seven catches, 130 yards, and two touchdowns on eight targets. I'm going to call Adam Thielen a sell. This seems like the window for me. Uh, we were kind of waiting it, waiting for it on Thielen, maybe even on Stephon Diggs, who just had three catches for 44 yards on four targets. 
20 catches, 309 yards, and four touchdowns through five games for Adam Thielen this year. At this point, a year ago, he had 47 catches for 602 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, we we all remember his hot start. We didn't really think he was going to replicate that to start this season, um, but certainly not on the same type of pace. I really feel like his fantasy value, and his, by his numbers, it, it's pretty obvious it hinges completely on those touchdowns. We got those on Sunday with the two-touchdown performance against the Giants. Thielen's 29 years old. They're, he's in a run-first offense. Um, and it doesn't appear, even though Kirk Cousins threw 27 passes and, and 22 completed 22 of them on Sunday for 306 yards, there's not enough balls to go around to Thielen and Diggs. It's going to be a one-or-the-other type of situation. In the past, it feels like well, one guy's going to get the touchdowns, but the other guy will still catch his six or seven balls. And in a PPR, he'll come through for you until he gets his touchdowns the next week. Kirk Cousins is awful and had the best game of his season, the best game he will have this year, and still Diggs couldn't get his part. It's so up and down and so shaky. I don't want anything to do with this Vikings passing game. I don't think it's going to change. I'm cashing out on the 29-year-old Thielen if I can. Yeah, I, I am as well, and it's crazy to think back that last year these two guys, Thielen and Diggs, were both wide receiver ones uh, throughout the throughout the season. Um, but just to, to kind of piggyback onto what you were saying, not only is, is are there not enough balls to go around to support those two wide receivers, but Dalvin Cook's now becoming more and more involved in the passing game than he ever has, and it's easy to talk about the Vikings – uh, commitment to the run game and that with this this new offensive coordinator they want to focus on on running the ball and, and that's all true and, and of course that's probably the main reason that we've seen this decline with Cousins and Thielen and, and Diggs but the other piece of that is that Cook is is getting the targets as well so he is uh, he's stealing those from these two receivers which not only is it's kind of doubly hurting them both uh as a runner and as a receiver I think that he's been him along with Zach Ertz has kind of been our biggest sells of the entire offseason up till now I think we talked about those two every single week I would move Thielen for basically anyone around him in ADP range if you find somebody that wants to trade based on ADPs still he was going ahead of Cooks uh, George Kittle Josh Jacobs Melvin Gordon all of these guys in September ADP I know it's probably going to change in October um, but uh, you know maybe you can move him for a guy we're talking about a little later Melvin Gordon you know some, somebody else was disappointing I would really look to move him for all, basically any of these assets that are going around him or, or, or even just after him in our current ADP. Yeah, I do, I do have new ADP, and I did want to point out that Thielen is the 33rd player off the board overall, so n- not, as, uh, not as big of a drop as you might expect. Some of those names that you mentioned there, Matt, he's still being drafted ahead of. Uh, George Kittle uh, being drafted ahead of his teammate Stefan Diggs. And Dan, I think this might be a close one for you since you wanted to sell Thielen. He's being drafted ahead of Calvin Ridley. Oh my gosh, give me Ridley. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ridley's been disappointing for a couple weeks too and and finally came through on Sunday. But but yeah, give me Ridley in a heartbeat in that one. Somebody sent me that offer. The Ravens, Ryan, they beat the Steelers in overtime with field goal. Who do we have here? 
we've got James Conner and we're selling James Conner if we can. Uh, Conner, we know, started out the season uh, pretty rough. RB29, RB18, RB38 those first three weeks. And that included an injury to uh, Ben Roethlisberger as well. And, and then in week four, we see kind of that running game take over, not only Connor, but Jalen Samuels as well. Connor scored twice and was really involved as a receiver, finished his RB six. And then he followed that up with another touchdown today was not involved as a receiver at all, which was disappointing. And and that led to an RB 26 finish. So it's, it's not going to be an easy sell, but with three touchdowns in two weeks, I think maybe you can make the case. We saw uh, Mason Rudolph get hurt today, and sometimes you just watch watch these teams in different years, and it just becomes apparent it's not their year, right? Like with, with injuries or just things not going their way, this is just not their year, and, and that's how it feels with the Steelers this year. Just things are not going to go right for them. Uh, we are certainly selling low with Connor a little bit here. He was RB8 in September, and our brand-new October data, he's RB14, so obviously a huge drop for him. He's a guy that was pushing the first round, uh, bottom of the first round for parts of the offseason, and now he's fallen into the third round. But looking at some guys, some of the names we were just talking about with Elon, some of the players that Connor is still be dra- being drafted ahead of uh, that I would take for him in a heartbeat, Josh Jacobs, Galladay, Diggs, Cooks, DJ Moore, Kittle, Ridley, Tyler Lockett, Travis Kelsey, all those players being drafted behind James Conner somehow right now. Yeah, I just I don't understand the Steelers offense. They came out in week four against the Bengals and had this new look, really fun two back offense where Samuels basically had the same exact carries and the same number of targets as James Conner. And then they went back to what they were doing before. It just doesn't make any sense. In fact, after last week's game against the Bengals, I wasn't convinced that James Conner was even the better running back between him and Jalen Samuels just because of Samuels' versatility out there on the field. So it didn't happen this week, uh, but I have to imagine, especially if Devlin Hodges is going to be starting in week six, they're going to have to do something offensively different, and, and it worked with Samuels getting more involved last week. So maybe we'll see more of that. I definitely agree. Let's go ahead and get rid of Connor, even though we're selling a little bit low there. Yeah, I'd be selling as well. Looking forward on their schedule, they have the Chargers in Los Angeles in week six, followed by the bye. Then the Steelers have Miami, Indianapolis, and the Rams at home. So it's going to be impossible to trade trade him next week, even if he has a nice game because he's going into the bye. That's always difficult, even in a dynasty league. If you're considering trying to move Connor, it seems like right now, is the time to do it. Patriots and Redskins, it started off a little slow, but the Patriots took care of business. Matt, who do we have here? This this isn't really that exciting. I don't really have anybody in this game, uh, but uh, Ben Watson is back from suspension. He, he, I'm not sure why he didn't play this week. He was eligible, I believe, but he didn't travel with the team. Next week, he should be back. We saw uh, Izzo get two targets for two, two catches on two targets for 39 yards and a touchdown. I think Watson's probably going to take over that role. Uh, it's not a, a very exciting ad, but as we start entering these bye weeks with more than two teams off, uh, you know, he might be a, a nice fill in for, for our team. Certainly not going to pay anything for him, but probably going to be a nice waiver ad this, this week. Buffalo Bills and Tennessee Titans clashed in Tennessee on Sunday as well. And I'm going to go back to the well because we, we've done that a couple of times here. We talked about Dawson Knox the last couple of weeks, 
But we want to reiterate to you guys, uh, just two catches for 12 yards on five targets in week five against Tennessee. But as my good friend Ryan pointed out leading up to the show, uh, Knox was the tight end eight over the two-week span of weeks three and four. We've kind of beat this to death a little bit. Um, I sent out some offers, though, guys. So it, it is a good talk talking point or, or, or something worth mentioning. It seems like most dynasty owners that have Dawson Knox are looking forward to that upside with that offense and that quarterback and, and kind of what he's put on film over the last few weeks. Um, like, Mid to late second round picks aren't getting you Dawson Knox. It, it's going to take multiple seconds. Even a second and a third didn't get it done for me in a couple of spots. How high are we willing to go to add Dawson Knox? Or are we just going to let him play for somebody else until we get another window to try to buy him? Yeah, it's a tough spot with guys like Knox and, and some of the other players that we've already mentioned uh, the rookies especially kind of fit into that category as well. You you don't feel like you should have to pay a lot for them, but for those who already rostered them, especially if they drafted them or grabbed them off the waiver wire, they're, they're feeling pretty good about themselves. So I would really try to acquire those guys as throw-ins, meaning you're making a, bi- a bigger deal and uh, getting Knox, getting Moreau, getting Keyshawn Johnson kind of as a throw-in status. Uh, of course, that that requires, like I said, making that bigger deal and, and giving up something of value. Yeah, but hopefully getting something of value, maybe even more value in the right situation. So if you are peddling Adam Thielen and you're willing to go down to one of those guys that you talked about when we spoke of Thielen, maybe you could get Knox or one of those other guys added to that kind of deal and, and, and really feel like you won both ways. Let's talk about the Packers and the Cowboys, Ryan. This one's going to be fun to talk about. Who do you have in this one? Well, we have to talk about Aaron Jones, I think, for sure. He became the 50, or it, it was the 57th time we saw a running back, running back score four touchdowns, and certainly didn't expect him to score four times, but I think a big, a big game from Aaron Jones was to be expected with Jamal Williams out of the lineup, and Jones nearly put up 50 fantasy points and Certainly, I think it's fair to say not only had the best game uh, he'll have this year, but probably the best game of his career. So that seems like a great time to me to sell a player. Uh, and that's what I would be doing with Aaron Jones. Or I would at least be shopping. I don't think he's he's not a must sell, but um, Jamal Williams is going to be coming back soon. We would we would think maybe even uh, in the next week or two. And in those three games that Williams was healthy, we we basically saw a nearly 50-50 timeshare in terms of snaps. So Aaron Jones played 103 snaps, Jamal Williams 96 in those first three games. And Aaron Jones also was not involved in the, in the passing game. He had eight targets through uh, three of those three games. Now with Williams out, he's had 15 in the past two games. So uh, as long as Williams is out, yeah, it's, it's great to rely on Aaron Jones, but I don't think anything we've seen from from the Packers coaching staff uh, this season or in the past has has shown us that they're going to rely on Jones as as a bell cow back. So if if you can take the chance to sell high, uh, I would do that. Some of those same names that we mentioned with James Conner are guys I would be targeting in an Aaron Jones trade. Jacobs, uh, Cooks, Ridley, Kittle, guys like that. You know, I do, I don't hate 
the idea of trading Aaron Jones. I always like the idea of trading somebody coming off a career game, and I certainly think that was probably the case against the Cowboys with Jones. The the thing that gives me a little bit of pause is how dynamic he looked. And sure, I agree that coaching staff hasn't shown uh, a willingness really to commit fully to one running back. I guess they did uh, in Dallas because they only had Trey Carson to, to potentially turn to. Um, 19 carries, 107 yards, and four touchdowns, like you mentioned. Seven catches for 75 on eight targets in the passing game. Like I said, he looked dynamic. It was, dare I say, like Elvin Kamara-ish, some of those broken tackles and, and finding the edge. There were there were safeties coming downhill in, in uh, run hell trying to get the angle on him. And he made him look bad. He even waved at one of them as he scored around the edge. <laughs> and that safety didn't have a chance. He, he had the angle and didn't touch him. And th- those things are reserved for those top four and five running backs that we all covet in Dynasty. And I'm not about to suggest that Jones should suddenly leap into that same conversation. But I think we should all agree, at the very least, from that, conversa- or from that uh, performance on Sunday that that he appears to have that kind of skill. And if a team was willing to commit to him like other teams have with these kind of athletes, we could he could be a very special player and a guy that can win you weeks as he did in week five. Yeah, if, if you were going to tell me and somehow guarantee to me that uh, he would see 70% of the snaps instead of 50% of the snaps or touches, then, then I would turn that... Uh, that sell recommendation into a buy even coming off that huge game. But I'm just, I'm just not ready to trust right. that. And yet. nothing from LaFleur has given us the confidence to do that. But if we all put ourselves in Matt LaFleur's shoes, it is very difficult to, to go into the meeting room this week with a game plan that doesn't center around Aaron Jones. If it happens, I, I would be shocked, but I guess, I guess I shouldn't be because he hasn't been willing to do it to this point. He just looks so good, man. Yeah, this is, is probably reaching a little bit with LaFleur and, and the way he thinks. But last season, we didn't really see him commit to Henry until all of a sudden Henry had a gigantic game. Uh, and I know it was a little bit different situation there. But I think you can kind of compare Jamal Williams, a little his role a little bit to uh, Deion Lewis's role. And once Henry had that big game, it was basically all Henry. So I'm hoping that LaFleur's eyes are open. And, uh, you know, Jones is going to get this kind of workload going forward. But he certainly hasn't given us any evidence of that yet for this team. Uh, so I don't hate trying to sell him. But I'm like Dan. Maybe it's because it we're both Packers fans. But uh, I'm, I'm looking at the glass half full kind of perspective and that this is kind of like the tip of the iceberg for him and that they're really going to commit to him and he's going to uh, maybe not have four touchdowns every week obviously but you know be a solid contributor at least a high out running back two going forward for the rest of the season that's that's a great point matt because and and something i hadn't thought of not only is the matt lafleur connection there but uh henry had his four touchdown game last year and many people myself included uh, brushed that off as as a fluke so yeah, maybe maybe there's something there, Ryan. For those out there that are rebuilding, that have Aaron Rodgers on their, ro- or excuse me, Aaron Jones on their roster, and are looking for draft picks in, to to send Jones away, what kind of package are you looking for? I don't. I mean, you can't take less than two firsts, right? 
Okay, so so we've we've moved him up a peg certainly based on this performance. Uh, even even saying let's sell him if we can, we're we're definitely asking for a premium. We're we're looking for what he's worth at this very time. It didn't just open up a window to sell him; it opened up a window to sell him much higher than than maybe he was a week or two ago. Sure, sure. And like I said at the beginning, I I don't think he's a guy who would be desperate to sell, but uh, would would maybe look for the opportunity to sell high. But if those offers aren't there, then uh, I'm glad to keep him and, and see how this goes. Yeah, just out. stick him in your lineup and, and hope this continues. Uh, Going to be interesting over the next week or so to keep an eye on that trade finder, see what those of you out there that have Aaron Jones and are willing to move him what kind of package you are getting back in return for him. One more game to talk about, fellas. Matt, you had the Denver Broncos and the L.A. Chargers. Another player we've spoken about in the last couple weeks, but we have a little more data. Yeah, what a boring game. Jeez, freaking Chargers. Where where, where are you? You have so much talent. and They're and all hurt, Matt. Screw it, screw it up every year. You screw it up every year, Chargers. Uh, no, let's talk about Melvin Gordon because we finally got, got him back, right? Did not look too great. 12 for 31 uh, on the ground, four catches on six targets for seven yards receiving. Uh, Austin Eckler, by the way, had 15 catches on 16 targets. So uh, my, my, my guess is that, this again, this might be a little bit of a stretch because Dynasty owners are smart, but I, I think it was difficult to buy Gordon or he was still expensive leading up to this week because we knew he was coming back at some point uh, and he was going to be facing this defense that Leonard Fournette just destroyed last week, right? So him coming back and, and kind of putting up a little bit of a disappointing not a little bit of a disappointing, a very disappointing game in his first game back against a suspect defense uh, may, maybe opens up a window a little bit there. And if you can get him for a single first-round pick next year, maybe a first and a third, something like that. I saw one trade on the trade finder that was a first, third, fourth, and fifth for next year, which is basically just a first. Uh, so uh, I think if you can get him for that price coming off of this poor performance, then he's still a worthy add. We have to remember last year that when we had this this duo in the backfield of Gordon and Eckler, that they were both very productive and that even though Eckler is going to get a lot more receiving work going forward, probably more than he even did last year, I don't think it's going to be a 16-6 to kind of target split like we saw this week. So uh, I think he's going to dominate touches on the ground and he's still going to have enough of a, a target share through the air uh, to make him a valuable add for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I agree with that one for sure. Matt, I'm assuming you would prefer Aaron Jones to Melvin Gordon in Dynasty? Man, that's tough, but yeah, I probably would. I, I, my, my, that's one where my brain says, no, that's dumb, but my gut says, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Stupid brain, it's always in the way. And I usually trust... I usually trust my gut and fantasy, so uh, you know how that, that's good and bad sometimes. That's ridiculously difficult for me because, as a Badgers fan, I'm a huge Melvin Gordon fan, and as a Packers fan, I really like what I saw from Aaron Jones. So I'll just I'll just completely sidestep that one. Somebody can send me the <laughs> offer and find find out what I would do. I guess uh, I like the I like the idea of buying Melvin Gordon as well, especially if there is that discount that you talked about, man. In the back of my mind, I continue to think about. Where is that guy playing next year? Because it doesn't appear that it's going to be with the Chargers in L.A. And the the glass is definitely uh, ha- half empty when it comes to the potential landing spots for a running back. Or at least it pe- appears to me. Does that weigh in at all for you, Matt, if you're buying him? 
I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think so. I, I, I think whoever does go and acquire him and pay, pays him the big contract is going to want to use him. I, that's a little bit of a straw man argument, but I think there's also the possibility that that the Chargers just say, screw it, we're going to franchise Kagu because there's really nothing you can do. So uh, I, I'm not that worried about it. Maybe I should be more than I am, though. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. We appreciate you listening. Be sure to check in on Twitter with Matt, Ryan, and myself to let us know what you think of these buys and sells. For Matt and Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again next week. <laughs>